All right, so we'll look at Matthew 28 here in a second. I, I want to tell you, though, about a guy that I've met recently in the last year or so. His name's Paul. I've told you about him once before, I believe. Um, but I was with Paul last week, got to meet him again, see him, and we were talking about church planting things. Um, Paul lives in, in Petersburg. When he got home from vacation about a week or two ago with his family, their house had been broken into and vandalized. That was shocking, as you can imagine. They knew who it was. You see, the city of Petersburg took down all the rims on the public playgrounds during COVID, right? So that people weren't out playing and they're, they're still not up. And so he has a basketball court in his backyard. And so he allowed all the kids in the community around to come play basketball in his backyard. And he told them, you can still come play in my backyard even while I'm gone on vacation. And so they did. That grew, though, into more kids hanging out and more kids hanging out and then wanting a different place to hang out. And so they decided to get into his house and broke into his house and then hung out in his house uh, and vandalized his house and stole some things and destroyed a bunch of things and glass was everywhere, holes in the wall. Um, And he said he was really thankful for a couple of things. He was thankful that his church, Crown and Joy Presbyterian Church here uh, in the city, um, came to help him clean up. They came and cleaned up all the glass, started repairing holes in his house and everything like that, Um, you know, brought them food and everything. He's like, I'm just so thankful for my church that is in this with me. And the other thing that he was thankful for was he said, I'm glad it was our house that got broken into. Because it gave me the opportunity to talk to these kids between 8 and 13 years old that he knows that broke into his house and talk to them about Jesus and say, you know, we're all criminals. We're all criminals before God who have done things wrong, and we all deserve a lot worse than what we get. But the good news in Jesus is this, that you can be forgiven of your sins. Now, I don't know if any of those kids believed or professed professed faith that day, but what I do know is that he took the opportunity to tell those kids about Jesus. And what that tells me about him is that man has a mission that governs his life. He's a mission that governs his life. Whether in good times or bad times, he trusts Jesus and he wants others to trust him too. It sounds to me almost like he was present when Jesus said these words. Follow along with me. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Father, I pray that you will bless the reading of your word. Spirit, use it to be active and alive in our hearts, to prick us, to prompt us, to push us into the actions that you desire for us to do. We ask in your name. Amen. So people like Paul inspire me because it reminds me of what Jesus told his followers to do and that the church was fully with him in it and supported him in it. In other words, 
what I'm saying here is, look, Jesus gave us a mission, yes, but it's not just a mission that you have as an individual. It's a mission that we are on together. We are on mission with one another. Our mission, then, with one another, I want to talk about this today in two ways. First, our mission with one another is a critical command that Jesus gives us. It is a critical command that we are given. Jesus is telling us what we're to do. Now, I want you to look at those verses I just read. Look back down at your Bible, your digital scroll, whatever you're on. Look at them and look in there. Look at verse 19 and tell me what is the command that we are to do, right? Get out your grammar glasses. Kids, you know, you're just about done with school. You know, not today. You're back in English class. What does it say? What's the command? Right, so it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Right, where's the command? It's easy to look at it and think the command is go. Go. Or you could say, well, there's a conjunction between and, and so it's both, go and make disciples. In Greek, the command is actually make disciples. What Jesus commands is make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. And disciple is then making disciples includes everything from the beginning of that process to the very end of that process all the way through life. In other words, it includes evangelism and telling people the good news about Jesus. That's the first step of making disciples, right? All the way through teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you to the very end of the age. That's the whole process of making disciples from beginning to end. And that's the command. But it leads to the question of, okay, well, how do you do that? What do we do? And the grammar here, as Jesus gives, gives it to us, is three participial phrases. Going, baptizing, and teaching. Make disciples, going, baptizing, and teaching. So I want to talk about those three things very briefly. Going. Sometimes that's hard. It's hard to get going, right? But going requires at least a few things. I mean, there's probably a lot we could talk about this, but for the sake of time, a few things. Going means taking initiative, right? Okay, I got to go. It also can involve taking some risk. Ooh, I might have to go somewhere I'm not quite comfortable or, or talk about something I'm not quite comfortable talking about. Some go to Thailand, like last week when we commissioned Lindsay Kozlowski. And she's in Thailand now and has made it there and is doing well. Keep remembering to pray for her if you would. Or it might be like Molly who leaves for Ireland this week. Or those who have gone to Spain. Or to Malawi. Or to wherever else it might be around the world, right? Going is going. But it's also easy for you to think, yes, that's what going is. Going around the world. But I want you to hear this very clearly. Going can be going across the street to your neighbor. It can be going next door, right? It's not just around the world. Going is, is just moving from where you are and going to take initiative to the next place. In fact, he tells his disciples in Acts to start right where they are in Jerusalem and then work out from there. And so we go by starting right where we are, right in our own neighborhoods, right in the own places we live, work, and play, and go out from there. And we go out baptizing. Now, baptizing, we just did that today, right? It is a sacrament of the church. So it's not that we all individually go out baptizing everybody we see. But baptism is the sign of inclusion into the community. So if you've gone out and you've evangelized and told people about Jesus and they believed, then they come into the church and they get baptized, right? And so see what happens then? 
baptism is a result of the going and the evangelism that is happening so that people then are being assimilated and brought in to the life of the church. It's the result of evangelism. And it signifies that you're now part of this community of faith. And that's important. What we did today is important. It's important because it's a sacrament. It's also important because what it's signifying is saying, we are in this together as a community of faith. And that's different than the way culture perceives church, at least in a way, right? Because many people in our culture today, in kind of a post-Christian culture that we're in, perceive the church as institutional and untrustworthy. And so what they do is, yeah, I'll do my religion, I'll do my spiritual life, I'll do it me, me and Jesus, I'm on my own. But the thing about that is Jesus never indicates that that's the way you should actually live your spiritual life. It's not meant to be done alone. I mean, the, the whole of scriptures is he calls disciples to follow him together, not alone. And he sends them out, not even alone, but together. And they go in groups to go do things. And then they put together the church as people are baptized coming together. It's not an individual thing. It's a personal thing. It really does matter to you personally. You're invested spiritually. Yes, it matters to you, but it's not only you. It's you connected to the church. And then the third thing is teaching, right? Teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded. Did you notice that? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, we can sum that up when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest command? And he says, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, good. Those are a summary of it, but those are a summary of all his teachings and laws. And so you look through those things and you think, oh, this is how Jesus means we should love our neighbor. Oh, this is what it looks like to love God. And so it's important that we teach all those things. That's why we want to do Spring Run Kids, to teach our kids those things, right? That's why we want you involved in a Bible study or a small group or a community group of some kind. So you're being encouraged, instructed, and taught. That's why we want you to come to church to be taught and instructed in that. In teaching, then, uh, what it means to follow Jesus in everything means it should shape your whole life. Your whole life should be shaped by the whole Bible. Being Christian is, it's more than just finding Jesus useful as like a ticket to heaven. Okay, I'm saved, I'm good, I'm good for forever now. No, it's also seeing the beauty of, of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and how that means we work on reconciliation and forgiveness and being kind and serving our neighbors, loving our communities. It it means all those things. And it means seeing the beauty of life the way it's meant to be lived as God designed it to be. And, And vice versa is true too, right? The church isn't just here to, you're not just to be a follower of Jesus to figure out, I just need some good moral values, a compass to set my course. No, it's more than that. You actually need Jesus, who is the Son of God and Savior of sinners, to change you from the inside, to empower you to live in a way that's new and different than you've ever experienced before. And so teaching to obey all I've commanded is really important. I'm going to move on here for the sake of time. Jesus gives that command, right? He gives this command, this critical command to his followers. And the good news is that means you're not alone in it. You're not alone in it. 
the church works together, and some are more gifted than others. Some are more gifted at evangelism as telling people about Jesus. Some are more gifted in serving. Some are more gifted in being generous with their money and giving it away. Some are more gifted in teaching, right? So we all have our gifts, but you can't just say, well, this is my gift, and that one's not. That's called gift cop-out. You can't do that because they're also commands. You're supposed to be involved in all of those things, but you are naturally more gifted, spiritually more gifted towards some of them. But that doesn't excuse you. You don't get to go, you know what? My gift is teaching. I don't serve. That's below me. No, we're commanded to serve, right? We all do that. Or you don't go, well, I'm serving, and, um, and so, you know, giving is not my thing. No, we're commanded to do that too, right? And so we're all in it together, and we all use our gifts together. And together, then, God uses his church to make a difference in people's lives and in communities. And that's good because it takes the pressure off you. You're not alone in it. You don't have to read this and go, man, that's a lot for me to do. No, it's a lot for us to do together. There's a story that was told of a man who went on vacation with his family. They were going down the road. His van was having trouble. Pulls over in the ditch, and it gets stuck in the ditch. He's like, oh, no. It's even worse. Now I'm stuck in the ditch. So he's near a farmer, and he, he goes to the house and knocks on the, the door of the farmer. And, and uh, the farmer comes to the door, and he tells him, like, I'm stuck. Can you help me get out? And the farmer says, yeah, you got a van? Yeah, sure, I can help you get out. Old Warwick will pull you out. And he points to Warwick. It's this mule standing over in a field. And the guy looks at, it, looks at Warwick and thinks, I'm not sure that mule's going to be able to stand more than 10 more seconds. It looks pretty feeble and frail, like it's just about to fall over. But I don't have any other choices, so okay, let's do it. Get Warwick to pull me out of the ditch. So the farmer um, hitches up Warwick to the, the van and, and says, uh, all right, everybody, here we go. We're getting ready. And so and then he yells out and cracks the whip over Warwick and says, pull Fred, pull Ted, pull Jack, pull Warwick. And sure enough, Warwick pulled the van out of the ditch and the man is amazed. He's like, I didn't think that animal could do that. That was awesome. And he goes, why did you say all those other names though? The farmer grinned. He said, well, you see, old Warwick's just about blind. But as long as he thinks he's part of a team, he doesn't mind pulling That's what the church is. You're part of a team. And so pull. The other thing about uh, the church is that, right, we need to be bold and going. Uh, I I wonder if you'll help me do an experiment right now. Uh, Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to somebody you know, it might be in your family, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's somebody down the road. If it's not in your family, it's even better. Somebody maybe you don't know, you're like, I don't even know that person. Great. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to them and ask them either like, what's their favorite restaurant and why you should go there or what their favorite food is maybe and, and why you should try that food or maybe their favorite sports team or favorite musician, something like that. What's your favorite and why should I, why should I like it? Okay, so turn to somebody and ask them, tell me what your favorite thing is and why I should like it.
Okay. All right. This is good. This is good. I, this is good. I feel like people got persuaded. I think, okay, so like, did, so you got to share something that was a favorite. Maybe it's, I don't know, a restaurant, a, a food, a beer, whatever it is, right? A sports team. I don't know. Um, so you told somebody about that, right? Did, was anybody persuaded? Like, oh, maybe I'll try that. It's something I didn't know or hear about. I don't know. Maybe you already knew about it. Like, no, I already like hot dogs. That's crazy. Why would you tell me to try those? Something? I don't know. Anything? Yet what I noticed is when I asked you to do that, man, you guys all just started jabbering away talking to everybody. Because like, oh, yeah. Join the nursery, right? See? Yeah. That's my new favorite thing. Join the nursery. See? Right? And so, like, here, I ask you, you know, like, oh, good. Oh, yeah, I can talk to somebody. I'll tell them what my favorite thing is. And I wonder, though, if I said, talk to somebody about Jesus, who's your favorite, what would it be like? Would it be the same enthusiasm, the same chatter? Is it like, ah, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. So I'm going to help you practice. I want you to turn back to that same person and just say, what do you think of Jesus? All right. So thank you for doing that little experiment with me, right? What I, what I want you to understand is you are always trying to tell somebody about something or persuade somebody of something. When it's on social media and I'm sharing my, my trip to Zion, I'm saying, wasn't it glorious? Please tell me it was good, right? Like, okay, when you're on social media, you're saying, I like this or I don't like that. When you're talking to a friend about the food, the restaurant, whatever it is that you like, right? Can we do the same thing with Jesus? Can we ask a simple question of somebody like, hey, I'm just curious, what do you think about Jesus? And they may look at you with a blank stare like, I don't know, I've never thought about Jesus. Okay, do you want to? Or maybe they got a big opinion or a big idea, like whatever, greatest man ever. He's a total sham. Oh, I don't know, I guess he's the thing all Christians are like interested in. Whatever, but it, it starts a conversation, right? Maybe you could even ask a question that's something like this. Um, um, how is Jesus shaping your life? Right? That could be a question you could ask to another Christian. That could be challenging. Right? I mean, those are questions that are important to ask and to answer. I, I want to encourage you today, as we're on mission of making disciples, to ask people intentionally about spiritual things just like you do about other things in life. And you can start by praying. If you're like, I don't know, this is hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's not easy. It's weird. It's spiritual, and everybody lives in this world, and they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, spiritual's okay, but like, I don't know, but did you have that burger at Fest? Because it was delicious. I can tell you about all their burgers, by the way. But I want to tell you about Jesus, too. Start by praying. Pray for people by name. 
Make a list. It might be two people. It might be five people. Make a list of people and pray for them by name. And then don't just do it alone because you're not alone in this. Get old Warwick helping you out, right? Get your community group or your friends to help you out. And say, hey, I want you to pray with me for these people by name. That they will come to know Jesus or that they will be growing in their faith as they need to. But especially that they'll come to know Jesus. And if you're going to do this and talk to people about Jesus, you're not going to do it if you're not praying about it. Because here's the thing. Prayer will shape your life. Prayer gives you focus. It's what you're about. It's what you care about. It's what's on your heart. And if you're praying about it, you will have focus on it. And the Lord will put opportunities before you're like, oh, wow, here's an opportunity that I didn't think I had. And so then look for those opportunities to talk to people and ask them about Jesus. Invite them to an event, to your community group maybe. Like Elizabeth said, Elizabeth just told you, that was my sermon right there. Elizabeth just stood up here and said, it was a hard time in life, I was broken, didn't know what to do, and somebody said, come to my community group. And she went, and it changed her life. Invite him to come to the, the Friday Fiesta thing, specifically. It's on June 25th, right? So an invitation is, hey, you want to come sometime? No, like, hey, we're going to this thing. It's Friday, June 25th. You want to come with us? We'll meet you there. Or we'll pick you up if you want. Right? That's how you can invite somebody. Or to church. Yeah, come with us next Sunday, this date. We'll, we'll go to this service, and this is where we'll sit together. Right? Be specific. Invite people in that way. And, and I know that's not the easiest thing in the world. Okay? And, it, and it does feel like a critical command. This mission with one another, together, what Jesus is having us do, is critical. Right? But it can also feel like maybe a bit discouraging in the sense that, like, wow, um, you know what? Teams still face challenges and teams still lose and get defeated. And, like, I don't know. Is this, can we do this or not? What hope do we have that this might work? And that's the other beautiful part about these verses. Is that our mission with one another is not just a critical command, but our mission with one another here that Jesus gives us contains a powerful promise. And I want to show you that powerful promise. Look with me in verse 18, I believe it is. Yeah, let's put that on the screen. Can you do that for me? Put verse 18 on the screen? Maybe, maybe not. All right, we'll read it anyways, and it may pop up there. In verse 18 it says, so here you go. That's 16, go to, yep, there you go. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go to the next verse, 19. Therefore, now I've told you before, when you look at the Bible and you see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it? Therefore. It's therefore because of whatever came right before it. So back up again to verse 18. Jesus tells them this great critical command, but he says, I have all the authority in the universe. In heaven and on earth, it's been given to me. And I'm sending you. So go make disciples. What Jesus is saying is, I've got all the authority, and you are my ambassadors. And you go with my authority when you go. And that means when you're going, that Jesus will be there, maybe working through his Holy Spirit in people's lives, 
Because you're not going alone. It's not just with you and the church. It is a spiritual thing in which God himself goes with us. Now, how do I know this? Because of verse 20, where Jesus says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As we go about doing this, Jesus is with us. He's got all the authority. He's always with us. And we're his ambassadors. And he says, go do it. And that means, yeah, sometimes people won't listen. They won't care. They may laugh at you or scoff you. That's fine. But there's other times when God will do amazing things through you. Because you step out in faith and you go and share the love of Jesus with people. I want you to think of that not as an event, but as a conversation. Not just a one-off question, but it's a conversation you're with people. It's a, it's a relationship. And if you view it that way, then it's like, okay, it's not my job to convince and persuade you. It's my job to tell you the Spirit of God is big enough, powerful enough to persuade and convince you. But I'm going to tell you. And it's also never too late. Don't give up. Don't quit. We are in mission with one another with a critical command and a powerful promise. And I want to share with you an email that I got this week. It was sent both to Pastor Fletcher and, and me from Dave and Carol Lenke, who are part of our church and have been for a long time, and they've been absent for a while traveling, and um, they said I could share this email. Uh, and so I just want to read it to you because it, it makes the case for me. Dear Andrew and Brian, Several weeks ago, we were finally able to visit our sister-in-law, Pat, in Connecticut. She has been battling cancer, and we could not visit until vaccinations were completed, etc. We then went to Denver for Mother's Day, came home for two days, and left for L.A. for our grandson's graduation. In the meantime, Pat took a turn, and we made a quick trip to say our goodbyes. Pat passed away on Tuesday, but the Lord performed a miracle. Pat, who was married to Carol's brother, has never had any interest in spiritual things and never has capitalized. In fact, she would not even discuss them. We had been praying for an opportunity, and Carol got that chance on Monday night. Before we arrived, Pat was asking, when will Carol be here? When will Carol be here? She mentioned that to several people. Carol spent all night with her on Monday in the hospice center and shared scripture and the gospel with Pat. While Pat was no longer able to respond verbally, she could and did respond with sounds. We are convinced that Pat and the Lord wanted Carol there to share her last hours together. We are grateful beyond words. Carol continues this in the email and says, Pat, my BFF in college, married my brother, and I fixed them up for our senior sorority social. My dear brother died in the same hospice center in Bramford, Connecticut, 15 years earlier. Dave and I had both presented the gospel to him weeks before he died, and he listened, but he did not respond. On the day he died, I was allowed to sit with him and presented Jesus to him one last time. He was unable to speak, but he wept. When we got to hospice two weeks ago, to be honest, I was weak in the knees. I could not believe this was happening again 15 years later. My niece told me that Pat, her mom, said she had to speak to me before she died. For the past year, for the past year, the women on Zoom Bible study, my small group on Wednesday morning, and Dave's Zoom study with the old guys prayed faithfully for Pat's salvation for the past year. 
Great is his faithfulness. Dave was asked to pray at her memorial service, and he chose a prayer from every moment holy. On the lighter side, three guys asked Dave if he was a pastor. Dave laughed and said, no, I'm a valve salesman. (laughs) I would say he's part of the team, doing what the church does. Pat and my brother, she writes, were our best friends. We plan on adjoining rooms in the heavenly mansion. (laughs) You are welcome to share the story. I pray that it will encourage the saints to never give up. We look forward to seeing you soon and getting back in fellowship, Carol and Dave. That's what it looks like to be on mission with one another. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to have a greater and growing love for you, even as we sang earlier that our passion would be for you and that we would tell others about you, that we would share of your amazing grace, even of our trials and failures and our brokenness, how your light shines through into the deep and dark places of our hearts. Lord, would you use us, would you use this church to be a beacon of light that people would come to see the beauty of it, of your church, and they would come to faith in you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.